And we're back with another episode of the Lakers Fast Break podcast. It's Gerald Glassroom coming back at you from Lakers Fast Break. Pop Culture Cosmos, where we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every week, twice a week, wherever you get your podcast, but also as well, Game Source, and of course, Inside Sports Fantasy Football. That's another great show coming to get you prepared for your fantasy football season that's coming up this week. Plus, also as well, Joe Soro, he's going to try to stop by. You know he's Ox1947 at LakersBall.com. He's also doing some Sin Blades things, as only he can do. So go ahead and check out how he is with his company, Symblades, Symblades with a Y.com. Our good friends, Jamie Sweet, and the number one Lakers blogger that's out there. It is, of course, Laker Tom. Go ahead and check them out today at, of course, Lakerholics.com. Our good friend, new good friend, Empire Jeff TV. He's got a great channel, so go ahead and check out what he's doing on YouTube at Empire Jeff TV. Subscribe today. We're trying to get him and also, our other good friend, John McKaylean, on his YouTube channel. Get both those guys today above 1,000 subscribers. And speaking of subscribers, please go ahead and give us a hand. Click on that little Joe Sora with the beady eyes right there on the right-hand corner of your screen. Go ahead and please, 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 please subscribe today to get the latest notifications on when we go live on the air with the latest Lakers Fast Break. Well, great once again time for us this week. we got a lot of... Great team reports on the way, including tonight. We got we're covering the Brooklyn Nets, plus is also as well. We're covering Team USA. The recap for today against Greece earlier this morning. For those that were up on a Monday morning to watch some basketball, and they should have if you're a Lakers fan, because Austin Reeves killed it once again. He was the star of the game, and we'll explain why. But also as well. Mikhail Bridges, why he's a key factor for Team USA. We're going to go ahead and cover that. But first, obviously, our guest here doing some great work. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today at Fireside Nets on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. It is Ben Harris. Ben Harris? Spencer Harris? Spencer Shaman? Ben Harris? What would you like, man? I, you know, Sean was like, Sean and I were like before the show. Wow. What's the best way to call him? What's what's the best way to phrase it? I see your moniker all the time on the videos right there. Spen Harris. Spen Harris, the way to go for for uh, for the show today. Spen Harris works. Harris is my middle name. Shanman's my last name. It's a bit tough for people to pronounce when they see it. No one mispronounces Harris, so uh, I, I usually go with Spen Harris on shows. Okay, there you go, my friend. Appreciate it. I just had I wanted to make sure because I got the. Uh, the nice uh, JPEG already coming out. I put a shaman on the first one. Now I got spin Harris on that one. going to go up. So want to make sure you're cool with that. But I appreciate you taking the time to go ahead and stop on by here. The Nets, it is again, we're going to go do an extensive uh, team preview of your team. Thoughts on today's game, plus also your thoughts on the Lakers before we head on out. But first up, it is the Brooklyn Nets. <sighs> kind of a transition time for you guys because this time last year your title hopes were running high you had of course Kyrie Irving you had Kevin Durant you had you know looking like you're going to be just really just just get everything going here you did have Ben Simmons coming over as far as the trade swap with James Harden and all that but let me know your thought process going into this season and then we'll go into a more detailed look at some of the players making all the moves this season for the Brooklyn Nets yeah, so you, you take a look at, you know, the KD Kyrie era. I compare it to dating an, an extremely attractive person who has a lot of baggage and there, there, there's a lot of issues there. But you ignore the red flags because everyone in the world thinks this girl is drop dead gorgeous and, and she's the one you've been after. And guess what? You get her and it's not everything you thought it would be. Everything goes wrong. Her family hates you. She never shows up to date. She's unreliable. Uh, so what do you do? You end that relationship or maybe she dumps you. I mean, no one's really keeping track here. And you, you, you find someone that, you know, maybe maybe they're not a knockout. Maybe they're not the most attractive person around, but they're a good person and they make you laugh and they're, they're good at being your significant other. And that's what the, ha- the Nets have right now in their core. And Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson are these guys Kevin Durant or, or, or Devin Booker, LeBron James? They are not. But what they are is they're young, 
They're promising. They've proven that they can play well in big moments, and they're also embracing Brooklyn as their own. Uh, I'm excited for this Nets team. Not a ton of expectations that right now we're looking at anywhere from a seventh seed to to maybe a, a playing team. So I'm looking seven to ten seed for the Brooklyn Nets right now, based on their current roster, based on the fact that we don't know what Ben Simmons we're getting this year, uh, based on just a lot there. That that's kind of how I'm I'm seeing this upcoming Nets season. Sean, before I get into some detailed questions in regards to Ben Simmons, obviously, but also the young talent that he's gotten back or the Brooklyn Nets have gotten back in these big trades, did you have any questions straight up for Spen Harris? Yes, Ben. Uh, I'd love to get your thoughts on what you thought about the, uh, the, the previous draft, about them having those back-to-back picks. You know, what did you make of that situation because you, you know a, a lot's been a lot's been made about those th- those guys, but they basically say you know they're they're kind of wait and see, as opposed to just plug and play, so to speak. So, how did you guys feel about the the draft and the direction that uh, Marks and Vaughn went? The Noah Clowney pick is, is has kind of been tough, mainly because we've seen in, in the summer league for the Brooklyn Nets, he's not close to a finished product in the NBA. Or, or, or he's not there yet. So he's going to spend some time in the G League. Sean Marks has said that. The Nets have, have gone on record and said that. Wasn't a huge fan of it. If, if we were going to go big man, we should have went traditional big man. I feel like what we got was sort of a, a Clax 2.0, who if he gets to be Nick Claxton in the NBA, that's great. But when we got Nick Claxton, he was raw. He was skinny. Uh, he could shoot a little bit. I think out of Georgia, he could shoot the three a little bit. That's like that's what Noah Clowney is. So I I wasn't crazy about that pick. I gave that pick a C minus by Sean Marks. Derek Whitehead, on the other hand, I like that pick a lot. Um, right after the Noah Clowney pick, Whitehead is a competent three point shooter. He was in college before he got hurt, and he is someone who, when he's ready, I think he's he's going to be huge for the Nets. Really like his upside. Clowney, not as much. Okay. All right. Fair fair enough. Because you know there there's a lot of nice wing depth. Uh, that the Nets have right now. And as you were saying, man, I, I agree. I, I think, you know, anywhere from a seven to a 10 seed is is likely the, the scenario. But, you know, they could pivot any which way with uh, with this squad. And especially with uh, the, the previous um, knuckleheads that were there at Spence, uh, the future draft pick history it doesn't it doesn't read like a like a bad spreadsheet at all it looks all right i mean after through all this through thick and thin it looks like the nets made out all right because of all this bs yeah i i mean look we're not in a complete rebuild which i think is a win because no fan wants to sit through 3 to 4 years of mediocrity to become the thunder or to become the detroit pistons or the houston rockets like they're all great stories now but they're all these teams that have tanked the last few seasons to try to get younger. Sean Marks made it apparent he was not going to do that when he traded Kyrie and Kevin Durant. He said, we're going to get back guys that could potentially be cornerstones for this franchise. So you look at Mikhail, you look at Cam Johnson, they can, they can still get better. There are areas of their game where I think that they can still improve. And, and Mikhail, definitely, he can take that next step. In terms of the moves that Marks has made this offseason – you look at pickups like Dennis Smith Jr., Darius Baisley, Lonnie Walker, the fourth former Laker. These are not guys that you're going to put on a team that's rebuilding. These are guys that you're going to put to be role players on a playoff team. So that's kind of where I think Marks' head is at right now. He's thinking, look, I, we, we just got to be, uh, you know, a, a lower to, to back end playoff team for the next few seasons while Mikhail grows while Cam Johnson gets better, while even Nick Claxton is someone who you still want to build a team around uh, before it starts to become an attractive place for, for free agents to want to come back and, and play with Brooklyn. One of the things I want to ask you, and once again, we're on with Spen Harris. Please go ahead and check out his awesome channel today. Or if you're not going to do it on YouTube, you got to go ahead and check out Fireside Nets wherever you get your podcast. But if you do it on YouTube, please subscribe today to get his great shows each and every time out. I want to ask you this, though. It's going to start with Mikhail Bridges. Mikhail Bridges, who had a really solid game today, providing the defense for Team USA and their victory over Greece. 
obviously a lot is expected for him for to step up and he did a pretty good job of it once he got traded over to you guys as being the number one option most analysts do not see him as a number one option going forward what are you thinking about him being a cornerstone of your team going forward and do you see him playing out as a number one number two or something else that's a great question look he's the number one option on a team that might be a nine or a ten seed right and and at the very best a seven or eight seed can he be the number one option on a top six team in the east i don't think so he can be the number two option which means you would need to go out and need to get a, a legitimate number one and in the next few years, you know, you look at some of the people that might become available. I'm looking at Luka Doncic of Dallas. If that situation goes south with Kyrie, Luka is someone I would just absolutely be ecstatic for him to be in Brooklyn. And that is a guy who Mikhail would play off of perfectly. We've seen it on the on you know Team USA. Mikhail Bridges is not a guy that needs the ball in his hands to create. We saw it for years in Phoenix. This is a guy who plays extremely well off the ball, almost as well as he's shown he could play on the ball this season for the Brooklyn Nets. You saw when the workload got a little too heavy for him in that Philadelphia series, he sort of faltered a little bit. He, he got in a shooting slump and, and he came up short against the, the 76ers, a team where, you know, they would go on to, to lose to the Celtics that next round in seven. But uh, I, I just, I love Mikhail Bridges. I love what he brings to the table. I don't see him being a number one on, on an upper echelon team in the East. So I would say no, a number two. I have a tendency to agree. I know he's got a lot of great trades, but there's a reason why he hasn't been able to step up with the Phoenix Suns. But now that he's given the opportunity, you should see his game overall develop to the point where if you guys can get a number one, he could be one of the best support number two players overall in the NBA. Yeah, I would, I would absolutely agree with that. And you kind of see it a little bit with team USA. Like you look at this team and, and who are the alphas that have stepped on up on offense, right? It's Anthony Edwards. It's, it's Austin Reeves. I give him a little bit of credit. And I actually texted my co-host after watching a game. I said, listen, I love Mikhail Bridges. I think Austin Reeves has a deeper offensive bag than Mikhail Bridges. And I, I know Nets fans will absolutely kill me for saying that. But I look at the alphas on this team, on this Team USA. Uh, you know, Jalen Brunson's another guy, Tyrese Halliburton. Mikhail is totally okay stepping aside and saying, you guys do what you got to do. If I'm open, I'll shoot. But I don't need to touch the ball to be effective. And I think that's why it, it, it's so unique to think about another star coming here. Because we all know Mikhail is capable of being that too or being that, that third best guy up. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. Bring me all of the Star Trek all of the time, and I will be an incredibly happy girl. Even if it's terrible. It's like pizza. Bad pizza is still pretty good because it's pizza. Bad Star Trek is still pretty good because it's still Star Trek. That's the way that I look at it. Just let it sit in the refrigerator for a day and be cool. That's it. Yep. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, it is Spen Harris. Please go ahead and check out what he's doing today at Fireside Nets on YouTube. Please subscribe or go ahead and check them out audio-wise wherever you get your podcasts. Sean, uh, any more questions? Because I know I'm going to hit him up with with some other questions I've got. There's actually a player that I have a lot to discuss with him on the Nets. But your thoughts, my friends, that you can go ahead and hit up Spen Harris on. Yeah, Spen, I was just, you know, the, the, ro- the roster is not only versatile, but the contracts are versatile, too. The Nets only have three guys on the roster over the age of 30, and they're all dead on the nose 30 Royce O'Neal, Spencer Dinwiddie and uh I'm forgetting the last one Spen over the age of 30 yeah it's Dinwiddie be, Royce uh, O'Neal and um Dorian Finney-Smith over 30? Dorian Finney-Smith my bad but uh really is that old wow I thought yeah I, I know like he's been in the league for man. such a long time that uh wow. some of these guys are still just 30 years old he's 30 since may 4th so yeah barely if they're barely if they're but still i mean this roster is very young and they have a lot of options 
for example, uh, we saw the kind of damage Cam Thomas can do, Spen. Uh, when he's focused offensively, he's machine, right? Back-to-back 40-point games. Uh, the youngest player since LeBron to go for multiple 40-point games in a season. But sometimes uh, he can't get his ass off the uh, the pine, man, because they want more out of him other than just being a scorer. Do you see the next two years being very, very important for both the Nets or more important for Cam Thomas? So it's very interesting because some of the moves that Mark's made this offseason would suggest that Cam Thomas is going to see the floor less, right? You bring in a guy like Lonnie Walker, the fourth Lonnie Walker is better on defense than Cam Thomas. He's taller than Cam Thomas. um, And he plays better off the ball than Cam Thomas. So if I'm a Nets fan and, and, you know, I know what Cam Thomas is capable of when he gets going, but I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of torn. Who do I want to see more on the court? Do I want to see Lonnie Walker, who I know can come up big in big moments? We saw what he did last year for the Lakers against the Warriors in that huge fourth quarter. Or do I want to, you know, play this kid who's been on the team for three years now, but his deficiencies at defense, his inability to, to, to play off the ball well and, and really – play make it all for his teammates he's not someone who likes to pass the ball it, it just makes it tough if he's not on fire for me to want to see him get more minutes now he's a guy depending on how the nets do i can see that moving cam thomas at the deadline this next year um i, I just I, I haven't seen us in a situation where cam thomas flourishes with this version of the brooklyn nets if it was going to happen it would have happened in the playoffs. He would have saw time. It would have happened uh, when they made the trade, or at least after Mikhail and Cam and Dorian Finney-Smith and Dinwiddie got incorporated into the offense. We, we would have saw more Cam Thomas then. Why did we not see it then? I don't think we're going to see it this time around. I think eventually he's going to be moved to a place where he can actually see a lot more of court time. Uh, that's absolutely something I was going to talk about, Cam Thomas, because, again, he's an enigma who's someone who can – light it up for 20 or 30 and then someone who can not even see the floor the next game. So someone that needs to find consistency and I don't know if he'll ever will in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. It's going to be tough to see or if the, if the organization will be patient enough with him in order to go ahead and see all the way through. That's, that's another thing as well. Will he be able to develop those other skills to be passable enough where he can really take advantage of being on the floor and also being such a great offensive machine. I, I agree with you on that. It's just, he's all these other things. Yes, he can score, but what else can he do for you? And if that's the case, I think that's going to be a hard time for him to, like you said, with, with Lonnie Walker, the fourth and some other people there vying for that same kind of playing time, going to be a tough challenge for him to stay on the floor. Yeah. And, and part of the new sort of culture that the Nets are trying to instill is this defensive, young, scrappy team. The only thing that Cam Thomas fits out of those three words is young. He's not necessarily defensive-minded, and he's not necessarily a scrappy player. So I just don't know how much he fits into this new net system. One of the things I do want to ask you, though, is the enigma in the room. And that is a gentleman that has uh, found his way Uh, as far as, uh, I guess, uh, as far as an outcast in many ways in Philadelphia. And now possibly the same thing could happen in Brooklyn. It's getting closer and closer to it is Ben Simmons. Uh, Ben Simmons seems to still enjoy lounging around in his uh, his nice expensive house, uh, tweeting this and tweeting that. And the thing is, though, people need to see a lot more work from him. Is he in the gym getting better? Is he in the gym trying to recover and trying to just basically get back to the way he once was and forget, you know, just try to put all the the mental blocks behind him. The problem is I don't see that. I don't see anything that's going to give me a sign that he's going to be anything different. And it's a shame for you guys, Sven, because he's taking up so much of your cap. He's taking up so much of what everything that, that you guys are all about, as far as all the good vibes that you guys have with this young scrappy team. There he sits at the end of your bench. How much of a contribution can he realistically make? And do you have any signs from the team that he's actually on his way back for a retribution? So I'll answer the, the second question first. Um, 
he's been at a lot of open runs that Royce O'Neal has attended, that Dennis Smith Jr. has attended. All the vibes coming out of Nets camp regarding Ben and his teammates have been excellent. Every teammate from Mikhail Bridges to Royce O'Neal to Cam Johnson to Nick Claxton, all these guys to Dinwiddie, all these guys have said, you know, if Ben Simmons is right, if he's healthy, he's our, and they've said he's our guy regardless, uh, but we're going to roll with him. So that's been positive. That's been encouraging for Nets fans to see his teammates coming to, you know, get his back. In terms of what we can expect this year, look, I think to sit here and say, hey, I expect Ben Simmons to start game one and play all 82 games would just be the most crazy, asinine. I think there's maybe a a less than 1% chance of that happening. Now to look at it and say, okay, what Sean Marks has built, and let's take away Ben Simmons for a second. The rest of the roster, it's a decent roster. You know, Dinwiddie, Mikhail, Cam, Claxton, and then insert Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal, one of those guys to start. That's not a bad starting lineup in the East. Like I said, they're, they're a seventh to a 10 seed. Now, if you're able to get Ben going and you insert him, maybe he starts in the second unit. I, I honestly want to see him start with that starting unit and be that fifth guy. So it's him, Dinwiddie, Mikhail, Cam, and Claxton. That to me is my dream lineup as a Brooklyn Nets fan. Figure out a way to move Royce O'Neal or to move Dorian Finney-Smith, get someone better. Um, but that is a lineup I, I would be ecstatic to see. And I know my co-host Pete, he sees Ben Simmons coming off the bench and starting that as the as the point guard with that second unit. Um, I think that if you can start the season well enough without Ben, and then once you incorporate him into the lineup and, and they really start to get rolling, he can just add fuel to the fire. But as a Nets fan, I think there's a 50, 50% shot that he comes in and, and he's the Ben Simmons of old. And there's definitely a, you know, a 50% chance that he comes in and he's ineffective and he, and he goes through mental hurdles again. And all of a sudden his back starts cramping up or he's got knee issues. Like I understand that that is a very legitimate possibility that we might have to to live in again this season. So I'm, I'm holding out hope that, uh, you know, it's the 50% that he's good again, but we don't know with this guy. He hasn't shown it in a few years. And uh, I'll just, I'll say this without the expectations for this team to be a championship contender. I do think the, the, the likelihood of him coming out and, and showing a, you know, energy from the past and, and being the Ben Simmons of old, I do think it's a little bit greater that that happens because the expectations are just not what they once were. Do you, does your outlook change if he starts to become the Ben Simmons of old? Do you think that, means that there's going to be a substantial leap uh, whether than I know you talked about seven to 10. Does that mean that you can think that maybe with the Ben Simmons playing at the all-star level, he was earlier in his career could possibly get you guys back into the mix in the top or near the top of the Eastern conference. I really like that question, Gerald. I I really do. And I think it's interesting. I think you're still a player away, right? Yeah. As do I, I think the same thing. Right. We, we talked about Mikhail not being a, you know, a number one. Ben Simmons is not a number one either. He's a great player. He's an amazing point guard, but he needed Embiid on those Philly teams. Like he needed guys like Jimmy Butler to be the alpha on those teams. He was never the guy taking the last second shot. So of course they can move from like seven to four or five. Maybe I think if, if we get an all-star type Ben Simmons caliber player, but you'd still be, one player away, in my opinion, from being a top three, top four team in the East. Well, let's say top three team in the East. I agree with you. I agree with you on that. Once again, it's Ben Harris. Please go ahead and check out what he's doing today at Fireside Nets on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Shawnee, go ahead, my friend. Any more good questions on the Nets? Because, you know, this could be a team where if things go well during the course of the season, they stay healthy and some other teams, they find their way in a different way. You never know, my friend. They could find themselves a little bit higher in the East. But your thoughts, my friend? Any questions for Spen Harris on that? Absolutely, uh, Spen. We've uh, we've all seen the news in the NBA recently about the uh, the new TV contract uh, being renegotiated once again, and now we know that the, there's going to be a significant salary cap increase once again. And everyone's looking at 25-26, right? Because it looks like it's going to be a loot for uh, free agency. Uh, just 
your overall perspective right now, if there's a disgruntled star in the NBA, we always know there's one around the corner. The Nets potentially have a juicy Ben Simmons expiring contract. Like you said, you can throw in a Cam, a Cam Thomas as well. This kid's still on a rookie deal. You could have him for two more years. If you like what you see, you sign him to uh, a reasonable deal, right? You can also, he can't trade a few picks, but he can, you know, we, we know this system, right? You can always manipulate your way into getting a pick or two or trying to uh, uh, renegotiate uh, picks down the road. So my question to you is, if you're the Nets right now and you're a fan of them, do you, are you looking at a big or are you looking at a guard? Are you looking at a big or in terms of building the team around? Yeah, with bridges. That's that's a, that's a great question. So you think of the bigs in this league, you think of the guards. I don't see Joel Embiid coming to Brooklyn, and I, I just don't see that scenario. I don't know. I, I used to do a, a Philadelphia, New York podcast. And while I did that, I paid heavy attention to the Sixers and they, it, they just, they were never going to be the team no matter what. Cause I don't, I don't love Embiid. He, he, he gets hurt. Yes. He's uh you know, he won the MVP this past season, but I don't love the, the idea of building around him. He's also closer to 30, I believe, right. Without looking at his age, I think he's, I think he's getting up there. Um, me personally, this is a guards league. There's so many young guards. You look, you look around the league, right? Like the Halliburton, De'Aaron Fox, uh, tr- no, that wasn't the trade because they traded Sabonis. But those two guys who were on the same team at one point both looked like top 10 point guards. They're amazing. You got John Morant over there in Memphis when he's able to play. Um, you have Luca in Dallas. You have LaMelo in Charlotte. I-, I know I'm missing a ton of guys, but there are just so many young guards that they can just take over a game. I mean, even what Russell Westbrook in his advanced age, you saw what he did with the Clippers last season. Um, in the playoffs for a minute, like he still can play, you know, the, the Rockets have a few guys the, the Pistons have Cade Cunningham. Um, so if I'm the Nets, I'm looking at one of these big time guards in a disgruntled situation. I am glad that we avoided the Damian Lillard sweepstakes this year. I mean, I, I there's a very small chance we make a, a play for him, but that see, that's a move that just doesn't make sense to me getting an older I mean, we're also not in the same position that Miami's in. They've gone to the finals twice in the last few years. Uh, they, there, may, there may be a Damian Lillard away from getting over the hump. But to answer your question, there's just so many guards, and the big men are just so scarce. After Jokic, Anthony Davis, and Joel Embiid, who would the next best big man in the league be after those three guys? That's a good question. There's a big drop-off Ka- there. You're right. Yeah. Carl Anthony Towns? Drop- Is yes. that the answer? That's the answer, and that's a big drop off. That is a big drop off, and that's a great point. That's a and great he's not point. getting any younger, and he has injury no. history as well. And he's he's a name that um, has bounced around Nets Twitter. There were you know some people that thought Marks might make that trade, but uh, again, I don't know how much better he like. I don't know if he's a better one option than Mikael Bridges. They're both kind of twos, so. Yeah, and also you guys like how I threw in Anthony Davis. Normally, I'd probably just say Embiid and uh, Jokic, but because I'm on this show, I had to show AD some love. Yay! A subscriber! So, yep, absolutely. Uh, I do want to ask, though, when it comes to Nick Claxton. Nick Claxton is uh, a player who's very intriguing. Still, people look at him, and they just kind of pass him off because he's very thin, you know, I know people look at his lower base, his legs, you know, jokes aside, he's played very well for you guys. He provides a lot of rim protection. Uh, he's stronger than what people think, and I think he's a better rebounder than what people think. He's actually become a pretty good, solid player for you after the, the departure of Allen, who I know that that departure still sticks with a lot of people because of how well he's played in Cleveland. But your thoughts on how much Nick Claxton can grow as a player. Can he take that next level? So we are talking about him in the context of, you know, the centers that we're talking about at the very top of the league. We just got to see more from him offensively on a consistent nightly basis. Uh, we all know he, he can catch lobs. He can dunk the ball. Um, and he's shown that in spurts, he can work in the post and, and, and create for himself. But we, we just got to see it 
much more consistently. Uh, he's got to work on his mid-range game. I'd like to see him get, you know, that that 10, 8-foot jump shot off the bank, work that into his repertoire. He's just got to get better. And and the other thing he has to do is he's a very he's a very emotional player. And and he, you know, he he plays off his emotions, he plays off his energy. But we actually saw that backfire in the uh, the 76ers series. And, and I think it was the the fourth game um, where and the Nets were, were, were in three out of four of those games, he ended up getting ejected. Nick Claxton did. And, and so, I mean, I, I know Embiid got ejected too, but he, he, that, that's just something that he's got to get better at. He's got to work on, you know, defensively, he's a stud. I don't know if you know, he was in defensive player uh, of the year voting throughout the year. Um, he's a guy that he's going to get a ton of blocks. He's going to, he can guard one to five. That's what I love about Nick Claxton from a defensive standpoint. He's so versatile. Uh, but offensively, you know, he's just not close to any of those four guys we mentioned earlier. Um, you know, even a guy like Domitas Sabonis on, on Sacramento just has a much deeper bag than Nick Claxton. So I, I know he's been working in the offseason. Um, he's a guy that he's, he's been with the Nets his entire career. He's got a year or two left on his contract. He could be owed some, some decent money after this contract is over. Uh, I'm, I'm just, I just got to see more from him as a Brooklyn Nets fan, you know, to be this, this centerpiece type center um, moving forward throughout the next few years. Sean, any more questions for Sven Harris? Uh, basically we can go ahead. I actually also want to got to touch on some stuff to, uh, for with him as well, before we start talking team USA and the Lakers, but any questions for uh, Sven right there for you, Sean? Absolutely. You know, Sven, um, it, it, we, we know that free throw shooting is a learned skill. The more you do it, the small corrections you make, you can get better at it. We've seen a transformation made by one Andre Drummond. It was one of the worst free throw shooters we ever saw and went through you know, a 16-month period where he actually shot 70%. I think, I think Nick Claxton can go to another level if he improves his free throw shooting. I mean, if that one skill he improves... Uh, I, you know, you could add a, a lot of point differential to a lot of Nets games because there were times when the Nets were, 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 you know, six to eight points down and, you know, it'd be, you know, let's, let's foul clacks, let's foul clacks, send them to the line. And, you know, that can be a detriment, right? Cause not everybody's shack and not everybody's wilt. You got to be able to make them on that point. Uh, Spence, were you aware that in the past five years, uh, opponents have the worst free throw shooting percentage at the Barclays Center? Is There's it- a reason for that. All right, go for it. I need to hear this. I need to hear so, this. So there is an old famous Nets fan. And I say old because you see this man, he's, he's someone's grandpa for sure. And his nickname is Mr. Whammy. Mr. Whammy has been going to Nets games since I was 10 years old and I was going to uh, the Meadowlands over here in East Rutherford, New Jersey. What he does is he stands behind opposing teams' backboards or, or hoops and he just basically like spazzes out his whole body while opponents are shooting. He was so disruptive that the Lakers' very own LeBron James asked security at one point at a game at Barclays a few years ago I think they asked security to like either control him or kick him out. I know LeBron was not a fan of Mr. Whammy, uh, but he's been, he's been a, an avid Nets fan for, I want to say the last 30 to 40 years. And he is the reason that opponents free throw percentage is low at Barclays. Oh, that's excellent. Uh, excellent words right there for you. Excellent thoughts from Spen Harris from Fireside Nets. One last thing I want to cover as far as for the Nets are concerned, and that is, are there any individuals on the roster that you are seeing that don't normally get talked about? I mean, obviously we talked about, when we, you know, Cam Thomas, how we talked Nick Claxton, Nick Claxton. We talked about, of course, Mikhail Bridges. You talked about all the major Ben Simmons, all the major questions or answers for the team going forward. Is there anyone under the radar that people need to become aware of that will actually gain a lot of momentum and a lot of traction this year for Brooklyn? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, there's a few guys now. Spencer Dinwiddie, I wouldn't put in in that category. I think we all know what we're going to get from Spencer Dinwiddie. He's not someone 
uh, who's going to show us something that we, we haven't seen. So, so he's someone I think that what you see is what you get. We're, we're going to get 15 points, maybe eight assists from Dinwiddie, you know, while Ben Simmons is, is recovering. The one under the radar guy that I really want people to talk about, if you haven't heard about him already, is Jalen Wilson. So this guy was drafted in the second round for the Brooklyn Nets from Kansas. He's, he won a championship at Kansas. Very talented offensive player. Um, his weakness in college, he couldn't shoot the three very well. I think he was below 30%. But in summer league with the Nets, he actually, uh, he, was, he was around 45, 50%, if not around 40%. And he was absolutely stroking the long ball. In terms of the guys the Nets drafted, Jalen Wilson is the most NBA-ready player out of those uh, three or four guys. I know Clowney, Whitehead, and then um, Wilson. Uh, so I'm very excited to see Jalen Wilson. Uh, he's someone I'm, I'm, I'm definitely monitoring throughout the beginning of the season. Uh, and then another guy, Dennis Smith Jr., kind of looked like a, a nothing pickup to the outside eye. But Dennis Smith Jr. is one of the better on-ball defenders in the league as far as guards go. Um, he had a really nice resurgence year in Charlotte last season. So those are the two guys. Yeah, Dennis Smith Jr. and Jalen Wilson I would look out for uh, on the Brooklyn Nets this afternoon. Yeah. I was going to say that with DSJ because he did resurrect his career last year and last season. So under the radar in Charlotte uh, that, you know, because who watches games in Charlotte seemingly that and nobody knew to, uh, noticed that that he was actually doing so well and that he's uh, basically resurrected his career. And I hope it continues for you guys in Brooklyn. But Sean, uh, any last thoughts on Brooklyn before we get into Team USA and then the Lakers? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, th that that's a great uh, great point, Spence. I'll be checking out uh, Jalen Wilson. I will definitely keep an eye out for him this year. I also want to say I liked uh, a lot of flyers that Marks made as well. Darius Baisley, I thought was a sneaky good pickup for the Nets. Uh, I think they're gonna hit on one or two of these guys, man. You just you never know if if they if they vibe and if they you know coordinate together and find some synergy and somebody gets locked up long-term. So you, you just, you never know with these flyers, they could always lead to something, but if you don't take them, you don't get anything out of them. Agreed. Well said. Absolutely. Uh, before we head on out. And once again, it is Ben Harris from fireside nets right there on YouTube. Please subscribe today to get the latest notifications on when he goes live on the air with the latest and greatest shows that he has to offer right there at Fireside Nets or wherever you get your podcasts. Before we head on out, wanted to go ahead and touch on today's great performance today by Team USA. Uh, winning just basically did not look like they were coming close. New Zealand, they started off sluggish and obviously they started to put, once they put into cruise control, it was all over there. But 109 to 81. Uh, when you have players, though, Spen, that are playing so well, like Tyrese Halliburton and Austin Reeves off the bench, and then you support that with Mikhail Bridges, who is also four of six overall shooting, just very efficient shooting, providing you the defense. How great is that for Team USA to know that, hey, if our starting lineup isn't doing it, We've got these guys, these superstars coming off the bench. Or in case of Mikhail, he's starting. I'm sorry, Mikhail, that these support guys are playing so well that we really don't have to worry about if there's a star on Team USA that, that isn't getting it done. Yeah, I, I think the roster construction of this team, and I said this uh, on Fireside Nets earlier today, it was really beautiful. The, the way that they got guys who are, who are not superstars, right? I mean, the majority of guys on this team, I, I wouldn't put in that top five, top 10 category. And Edwards might be right, right around there. Um, but they're all guys that still have something to prove in this league and they want to be great. And they're all extremely talented. And then the guys that aren't are talented, you know, like a Josh Hart or a Bobby Portis, they're some of the hardest working players in the league. So I, I just really love the way that they put this roster together. You know, you have your, your, your freak athlete, Anthony Edwards and, and Jaron Jackson Jr. And you have your high IQ guy, right? And Brunson and Halliburton. And, and then you have your ISO scorers and Austin Reeves and, and Brandon Ingram. Uh, and then you have your glue guys and Mikhail Bridges and Cam Thomas. So I'm sorry, Cam Johnson. So yeah, I a hundred percent agree that, you know, it, it's, it's a real next man up mentality with team USA. There's not the only guy that seems kind of frustrated with everything is Brandon Ingram. 
because he's the only guy that, that can't necessarily play well off the ball. And you're, you're kind of seeing that in instances with Team USA. But other than him, I, I just – I love the fit. Everyone who comes in gives them good minutes. Even Walker Kessler had some good time in, in, in uh, you know, garbage time today. Uh, yeah. But the thing is, we haven't even discussed Cam Johnson. And Cam Johnson, he, you know, he's supposed to provide you guys with that outside threat. He's so – he goes under the radar – like you said, you know, we just we even just forgot about him for a second on the on the roster, but he plays a vital role for you guys. Not only stretching the floor, six nine plays good D. He is supposed to be that quintessential three and D guy. Whether or not he stays with you guys long term or he's utilized in the trade, that could be something up to you guys to utilize. What do you see as the future for Cam Johnson? My problem with Cam Johnson is I just don't know how much better he can get. I agree. That, 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 that's something that, you know, he's a, th- he was a three and D guy in Phoenix. He elevated his game a little bit when he came to Brooklyn, we saw him create a little bit off the dribble. You know, you can go to the lane every now and again, not the best handles, right? He doesn't have a, a bag like McHale or a bag like Austin Reeves, uh, but, but he can put a move or two on his defender when he needs to. I, I just, when I think of the Nets, it, I never think it's as far as McHale and Cam Johnson will take them. I think it's more about Nick Claxton. I think it's more about Dinwiddie. I think it's more about other guys. Uh, Cam Johnson, to me, he, he he could be good, but I feel like I've seen his best, and it was all right. It, it's a th- number three, number four option. Now, on Team USA, he works perfectly because he's a guy. He does not need the ball in his hands. He can knock down three-pointers when he's open. He can get to the hoop if he needs to. Really strong defender. Um, great motor on Cam Johnson. He can get up and down the court. He likes to run the break. So he fits perfectly on this team. Just in terms of if you're building an NBA roster, I don't know if he can be the second best player on your team. Uh, again, I agree with you. I think he's a, a three or a four on a really good team. I think he that's his best suit that you don't put too much pressure on. And plus also he's there to go ahead and draw the defense away to spread things out. I agree with you on that. And, you know, while he's a nice addition to the Team USA team, he's not asked or required to do so much on the team. And I think that's probably a benefit to his overall play and how much growth there's left. Uh, I agree with you. It may be uh, something where he might have, uh, in fact, was mentioned in the chat that he might have plateaued as a player. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey Lakers fans, looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com, with a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. Magic, any last thoughts on the Team USA victory or the Nets before we get into the uh, the nervous time as you and I have? Because we're going to ask Ben after at the very end exactly what his thoughts on the Lakers are. So we're all pins and needles on that here. But uh, Sean, any thoughts? Because you're the FIBA man so far. You've been doing a great coverage for us on playback. So any questions for us on FIBA or any thoughts or comments on Team USA's victory today? Yeah, Gerald, it was a it was a sound victory, and uh, you know I love the fact that even though uh, Kerr did put uh, Kessler in when the game was out of hand, he still tried to give him as much quality minutes as possible. He put Austin go. Reeves out with him, which uh, is kind of a it's kind of a a breadcrumb hint. Usually, I've noticed when Kerr inserts somebody new into a lineup, it's usually Austin Reeves who's on the floor. He's kind of become this linchpin of Team USA's bench. Like, let's put this guy out with uh, with uh, the kid and see what can happen. Gerald, we've seen time and time again that if you're not playing the role you're asked to play, somebody else will play it for you. Josh Hart is playing Brandon Ingram to the end of the bench on Team USA. He's a better rebounder than Brandon Ingram, and Ingram has almost six inches 
on Josh Hart. But Josh Hart plays with all heart. Yep. 11 and rebounds today, I think. 11 correct? rebounds. Anything that uh, that coaching staff asks him to do, he will do. And uh, we've, we've talked about this previously. Um, there are a lot of guys on this uh, USA team who are willing to play their role and play yeah. it well. And for whatever reason, it just seems that Ingram is the uh, the black sheep right now. He's not consistently doing what he's asked, and he's finding it really hard, Gerald. I agree. I agree. But the next game for Team USA is against Jordan at 1.40 a.m. Pacific on Wednesday, 4.40 a.m. Eastern. I'm not sure if any of us are going to be able to see that game. I will be trying to sleep at that point in time. And Sean, I hope you are. And Spen, I hope you are as well. But the thing we comes with Jordan is a former net that's actually getting a lot of interest. Uh, a lot of press has been made about Rondé Hall's Jefferson's transformation from the time he was in the league with the Nets to where he is now with a total Kobe Bryant-like transformation. Your thoughts on that, Spen? Because I know that the word's gone back to you as far as how he's transformed his game and his look, lost weight, cut his hair, whole nine yards to look and play like Kobe Bryant. I mean, you love to see it. Is there a basketball player in the history of the game outside of Michael Jordan who's influenced young players more than Kobe Bryant? I don't think there is. Every single guy in the NBA who who's somebody wants to be Kobe Bryant, they want that Mamba mentality. So um, can't say that I'm surprised it's Ron Day Hollis. He was always one of the hardest working guys in the league. I just didn't, never thought he had the talent. That was my issue with him. I wasn't a great three-point shooter, wasn't a great mid-range shooter in general, really just a slasher, a guy who could finish at the rim, had some great moments with the Nets, but did, was, did not know he was capable of doing what he did uh, against New Zealand in overtime earlier today, dropping 39 points, hitting a, a ridiculous uh, three-point shot and getting fouled to send the game into overtime on a four-point play. Kudos to him. Look, any of us can put on a Kobe jersey and take a bunch of shots and say we're Kobe. It takes someone special to actually execute it on the national stage like Rondé Hollis Jefferson has done. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more on that. I wish him continued success. Maybe he'll get back into the league and we'll see what happens. Uh, Obviously complimenting you on your choice of jerseys behind you. Absolutely. As uh, I do mine behind this side is my Kobe side. That's never shown on screen with Anthony Davis there. But Magic Man, who actually wears jerseys, uh, today it's actually just the Black Mamba. Uh, Any last thoughts, my friend, before? Oh, and you got it right there. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, indeed. But any last thoughts, my friend, before we get into the Tough question of the day when it comes to the L.A. Lakers. Yeah, absolutely, Gerald. Um, you know, a, a huge surprise, I think, coming down the pike here, at least for from uh, Phoebe's perspective, is that it looks like the United States is going to play either the Dominican Republic or Puerto Rico for a chance to go to the medal round, and nobody had that on their bingo card. If uh, the United States fans are interested, tomorrow's a big game between uh, Lithuania and Montenegro. The loser of that game finishes second, likely plays the United States in the uh, knockout stages. There you go. Absolutely. Great point indeed. But once again, it is Sven Harris. He's been great so far, giving you the update on everything that you need to know about the Brooklyn Nets. Please go ahead and support him today by stopping over at Fireside Nets wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe today on YouTube. But Spen, before we head on out, it is nervous time for us and our audience because we want to know what you think of the Los Angeles Lakers this season. <laughs> so we're all in, you know, a great uh, suspense. We've asked that of each and every one of our, our individuals we're asking team reports on because our goal is to hit all 30 before the start of the season. Uh, we've all asked them about their thoughts on the Lakers. We want it as honest and brutal as possible or as good as possible. So your thoughts on the LA Lakers this upcoming season. So obviously I, I think, you know, you guys lost a, a real player with uh, Lonnie Walker, the fourth. I, I, I wasn't happy we were able to snag him. Um, I was surprised that you guys locked up D'Angelo Russell. I, I didn't think that he was the most loved guy in Laker land. 
he's not right. So that was that was a surprise for me. Look, as long as you guys have a healthy LeBron James, a healthy healthy Anthony Davis, and now you have Austin Reeves, who is is becoming a star right in front of our eyes, I think you're going to be okay. The West is very tough, but I think that you guys right now, as it stands in the West, I would say you're better than everybody, except you're not better than Denver, and I don't think you're better than Phoenix. And those are the only two teams I would put above the Los Angeles Lakers right now in the West. Uh, all right. Great thoughts. And coming in at the last few minutes of the show, it is Mr. Simblade, Simblades with a Y.com. It is Joe Soro, Ox1947. I guess Mr. Mobile are going to be Joe. Any thoughts right here with Ben Harris is that, from Fireside? Is that Nets? Justin Turner? Is that Justin Turner? Uh, I get a lot of Ryan Fitzpatrick here. Okay. No, from you, our you, audience, you're, you're, you're going to get a lot of Justin Turner from these Dodgers. No, fans you're here. you're much hands, you're much better looking than than Ryan Fitzpatrick. No, you're you're Justin Turner, man. It's good being you, Spent. I'm sorry I'm late. I was supposed to be with the Magic Man today, but uh, work summoned at the last second. So I'm 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 now waiting for something else. Actually, I'm that's okay. My... Magic Man will never forgive you again. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he would. Uh, the <laughs> we are talking about. What what the Lakers? You're, you're, I'm assuming we're we're talking Lakers now, right? Yes, yes. Okay. Unless you got any so, next questions for them. So so Phoenix and Denver are favorites at the moment at one and two in the West. I can I can I can roll with that. I think that's probably the right way to go. What it's what it, what those two teams are gonna have to deal with is Denver's gonna have to deal with complacency after winning a championship, which most teams do. And Phoenix is going to have to figure out their, their chemistry. Because if you're going to tell me that Bradley Beal is going to be uh, happy with someone like uh, Devin Booker when something goes wrong in practice, I'd like to see what that is. Because Devin Booker has a, has a little too much estrogen for his own good. And then, of course, you got Kevin Durant, who's, who hates the world ever since he's left Oklahoma City. You have DeAndre Ayton, who doesn't feel appreciated, uh, even though he doesn't show up when he's supposed to. So chemistry there, the ability to win consistently is going to be, it's going to come down to, even if they do win, are they going to say, are some of those guys going to say, well, I want it to be me as the main reason. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen there. But but if you put history there, I'm going to say it's going to implode at some point because you don't have really mentally strong guys there except maybe bradley beal i don't know we'll see but uh joe any thoughts on the nets questions on the nets but i thought that was very point by spen i thought uh putting the we've we've projected the lakers right as of now barring any trades or changes or anything like that during the regular season and good health into that third four slot right there that seems to be the the projections where most everybody has the lakers right now uh, Joe, uh, again, any thoughts on the Nets uh, for Spen? Because we think it's going to be a decent season for them. They are a big player away, I think, from really competing at the top of the Eastern Conference. I think that's the, also consensus here. But any thoughts, my friend? Get rid of your last uh, malignant cancer. <laughs> I highly recommend you, you do that. You know who that is. I don't. I don't even need to say his name. Get rid of him for anything, for bubble gum, for whatever. Uh, and then you'll start getting back to what you guys were supposed to start when D'Angelo was an all-star and, and, and the Nets were starting to get out of that Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett disaster until Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant and, and Kyrie Irving completely took a nice dump on your, your franchise. No more of that. And we, we, we felt that same situation too, actually, with uh, the Russell Westbrook trade because my theory is that response was due to the fact that you guys went after – James Harden, and that set a terrible trend uh, in L.A. with them thinking we need to get a third star because that year that the Lakers got beat by Phoenix, we had offensive spurts that were – there was like a three-minute – there was three-minute dead times in every game I remember in the second half of that season. We just could not score for at least three minutes during a game, like nothing, not a free throw, not a – basket not a layup nothing so people panicked panic after panic after panic and we both got the crap into the stick on that one 
Uh, but you guys need to get that last piece out of the way and start getting back to maybe taking over the city of New York because I don't see the Knicks ever really doing anything, unfortunately. Uh, even if they went and got Zion, I don't know if Zion can – if he can't handle New Orleans, I don't know how the hell he's going to handle New York. And if, if, if Joel Embiid decides to say, I want to go to New York, uh, I don't know how much he has left after a year or two. I think he's, I, I agree. he's a little over the hill. So start, you know, keep doing what you're doing. I, I always love using the Nets as the what if. If Calipari, I, I, this is, again, my theory. I can't, I don't have any proof. But if Calipari, uh, if they had let Calipari decide who to draft in 1996, Kobe would have been a New Jersey legend. He wouldn't have played for New Jersey. I think he would have. No way. He's, he would have Eli Manning his way to the Lakers. No, he would not have. He There was word that that's what <laughs> happened, but there was there was an interview where he said I, he would have played anywhere. I, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. I, I I knew the former president of the of the New Jersey Nets who worked with Calipari. He said there wasn't a chance Kobe was coming there. Really? Was it because yes. of him or Calipari? I don't remember the reason. Uh, cause we're going back to like seven or eight years ago when I, when I talked to this guy, uh, but he, I, I, cause I brought it up. I was a, I was a diehard Nets fan and, uh, we were having a conversation and I, I, I said, you know, Hey, wh- what gives, why didn't you draft Kobe? You know, like who cares if you don't want to play here, you make him play here. And he, he told me there was, there was absolutely no way he was going to play in New Jersey. Just no way. So the, you said, who was it that you spoke with? One of the people, he was, he was the president at the time for the Nets. I don't, I don't remember if he was the president or the vice president, but he had a high up position uh, in the early, early 2000s, late 90s, when during the, so I, the Kobe draft off, was 96. Would you say I'm off that if they had just let Calipari make the decision? He was the GM, right? The GM coach, right? Correct. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, you, so you're saying there's no way Kobe went there, but if it was Calipari's decision solely, do you believe he would have picked Kobe eight? Yeah, probably. Okay, so I'm not I'm not crazy. Yeah, I don't think you're crazy. Why, the reason why I think he plays in New Jersey, number one, he wanted to he knew he'd be one. He knew he'd be one. Kobe's career would have been just like LeBron's and Jordan's and 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 number one young guys, right? There's no ready. He would have never started out on the bench. He would have Correct. started. He would have been a lineup. number one. Right. His, his stats would have been different. And then on, on top of that, I have a hard time believing he wouldn't have come. He's a half hour away from Philly. Why would half hour? Would not have oh, no, no, no. You, you said, oh, by playing. Absolutely. I think he plays. Yeah. And I, he's, <laughs> I, I watched an interview where he said, I just, I wish I had recorded it. He said he would have played. It was all a ploy to get to L.A. Interesting. Okay. I I, I believe you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would have not come on unless I knew you were a, a Nets guy. That's why Sean was like, dude, you're going to love this guy. As soon as he said that, I got I got, I got, to, I got to park somewhere and get on here because I've been dying to talk to – I don't know any Nets people around here. No one. Uh, you might as well try to find somebody that, that cheers for lacrosse in, in, in Iceland. <laughs> Here. There's no nets. There's no nets. Anything here, so I, I I've been dying to meet somebody that's a Nets fan, like a diehard, not just a Nets fan. So that's and, one thing oh, I want to sure. ask you, though. That's one thing I want to comment on is that the Nets, you've got okay. It, this is not New Jersey from the past. The Nets have a absolutely beautiful facility now at, at Barclays. It's so much better than the MSG that's there, the Dolan Dome or whatever you want to call it. Right. It is. It's. It's just the future with young talent. Everything that's going on, the, it just seems New York. Okay, the Knicks are still a very good team this year. They've got a nice depth. Uh, they've got a good future as well. I don't want to disparage them in that sense, but just seems like people are still. You know, it's like the Clippers and the Lakers here again. I get it. I understand the Lakers more established team by by long shots. So the Clippers will never be. A number one year and nor should they be because of what they've done over the course of the years and all the losing seasons etc etc but brooklyn has actually appeared more times in the nba finals in recent years in this century than the new york knicks 
so I ask you, what's it going to take for people to get that mindset to get the to understand that the Nets may have the better long term future than the New York Knicks? I think basketball people see it. I think if you're an actual fan of the sport and you're taking your bias out of it, I think people can see the Nets probably are, are set up for for better long term success than the New York Knicks. Now, when the New Jersey Nets moved to Brooklyn, the few the, the small most people in New Jersey, their parents grew up in New York. So a lot of people in New Jersey were Knicks fans, but there was a nice group of, of people in Northern New Jersey, Central New Jersey that were Nets fans. When the Nets moved to Brooklyn, a lot of those people who rooted for the Nets started rooting for the Knicks. And most people in Brooklyn already were rooting for the Knicks. So you think about a New Jersey fan base that wasn't already massive to begin with because we were, we're 40 minutes from Manhattan. When that team moved, it was very hard for Brooklyn to establish a fan base. And that's, that's why Brooklyn basketball gets, gets, you know, pooped on in where I live. All my friends always come up to me. They say, could you imagine being a Nets fan? And then they just laugh in my face. And I know what you're thinking. They're probably not great friends, but they're, they're pretty good friends. It just happens to be 99% of people around this entire New Jersey tri-state area root for the New York Knicks, me and like, we're scattered. We have a nice, nice, nice group, but me and the remaining Nets fans, it's almost like we're survivors of the apocalypse. You know, a team that didn't have a big fan base moved to another city, not even in the state where, what remains of the Nets fan base. Okay. I just wanted to get that in there because I think the future long-term is a little bit better suited for, for Brooklyn. Although both have an abundance of picks, both have young talent, both have depth. I think right now, again, I just lean a little bit towards the Nets, but both I think both have decent futures. But go ahead, Sean. I know you want to interject something before we head on out. Yeah, before we head on out, uh, I also know that Sven happens to be a huge Giants fan. So, <laughs> so how are you feeling right now about your Giants, brother? Daniel Jones. 10-7 and seven is my guess for the season. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything that you guys don't already know. Um, you know, Danny Dimes had a decent year last year. Do you Saquon think he could take that back. next step? Do you think he could take that next to like Jalen Hurts numbers? No, no, I don't think he's going to get there. Um, he can get closer to Hurts, but I don't think he's going to he's going to ever put up Hurts numbers. They're a very well-rounded, well-coached team. They have a strong defense. Uh, they, they have some weapons on offense. I'm excited to see what, what Jalen Hyatt does. Um, Darren Waller was, was the big-name acquisition on the offense. Uh, they'll be fun. Look, they have expectations for the first time in a while. Um, Dallas is obviously trending downward, and that, that Trey Lance trade was, was pretty darn funny uh, on – different ways you can piss off your starting quarterback. Um, <laughs> everyone thinks the Eagles are going to, you know, go back to the Super Bowl. And, and as of right now, it looks that way, but you got to play the games and they're a quarterback injury away from starting Gardner Minshew. So, uh, and then there's a guy that runs the football a lot and he can be a little reckless occasionally. So no, I'm excited for the giants. Um, look, I, I like, I, I was pessimistic up until we made the change uh, in general manager. I hated Dave Gettleman. I thought he he just did everything he could to hurt this organization, to hurt this franchise. And he thought he was smarter than everybody else when he would he would just do stupid things like trade Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, once Joe Shane came in, hired Brian Dable, you could just sense, uh, you know, a feeling of pride in the organization for the first time since one Tom Coughlin ran the show. Whether or not we win a Super Bowl under this regime, I, I don't know. I just know that as a fan, I personally – Love the vibes. I love what Dable brings to the table. I love a jolly fat guy coaching up a bunch of muscle guys. It, it, it's just the best. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited as a Giants fan this year. Man, this is I the first agree. time I'm saying I, that in about a decade. That's amazing. I agree 100%. There's yeah. nothing funnier than seeing a fat coach just cuss out a 250-pound lineman. It is hilarious. Joe, any last yeah. thoughts, my friend, before we head on out? I'm good. Okay. <laughs> That's Joe Dutti. Once again, it is Ben Harris. Please go ahead and support him today. It is Fireside Nets on YouTube. Fireside Nets, wherever you get your podcast. It is truly appreciated if you go ahead and help him get to where he needs to go to help 
get a, to a larger audience out there because you heard him. He needs to find more Nets fans. You can help him by going ahead and subscribing today, going ahead and being a part of his shows right there at the Fireside Nets. Well, I'll tell you what, Spen, we truly appreciate you taking some time to talk to us today. We'd love to have you on as far as our pregames before the Lakers and Nets meet up during the course of the season, if that's a possibility before we head on out. is that Would that be a possibility? For sure. You got my email. Just let me know. Uh, depending on the night, I should be available. But thank you guys so much for having me on. It was a blast. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk soon. Absolutely, indeed. Coming up later this week for everybody out there, we've got on Wednesday, Chicago. We're going to cover them. Toronto on Thursday. Looks like we might have Indiana next week. We're going to have everybody else trying to get for the rest of the Eastern Conference. We will be taking care of that. Plus, you know, we've got great shows coming up right here on the Lakers. Winning Time, Episode 4. There you go. We're still going to be talking about that on tomorrow night's show. So there you go. Joe's got the evil look already. Joe, head out on the highway, my friend. Go ahead. Safe travels and safe driving to you. Magic Band, truly appreciate everything you did in lining up today's interview. Everybody in the chat, the world's best Lakers chat room that's out there. We truly appreciate everything you can and still do for us. But also as well, subscribe. We need a thousand subscribers to get the latest notifications on when we go live. Of course, with the latest 